Good morning, church family. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 24. We're going to be looking at the last six verses of this chapter, which give us a brief description of the somewhat weird relationship that the Apostle Paul had with Governor Felix. So uh, a, a quick recap for those who were out last week or who, or who just forgot. Um, Felix was the governor of Judea. Okay, He was an ex-slave who got promoted by uh, Caesar Claudius, or Claudius Caesar, and he was not a just ruler. Okay, his, his introduction to Paul was through a court case, and some of the non-believing Jews were accusing Paul of being a rabble-rouser and a blasphemer and basically an all-around awful person, none of which was true. Uh, and then Paul got to defend himself. Okay, and we talked about that. That was, that was pretty much the entirety of last week's message. And in today's passage, we're going to hear what Felix says in response to the case and also get a brief but profound character study of this governor. Okay, So as I was reading this, it became apparent to me that there were a whole lot of people like Felix in the world today who fit a very specific and depressing description. The title of the message keeps it from being a total surprise, but as our text unfolds today, we'll see a lot of evidence that Governor Felix is a person who was informed of the gospel, but not transformed by the gospel. So our purpose today in examining Felix is is not to look to him in judgment and to think of ourselves as, as better than he is, or something like that. It is to serve as a warning to us because there are at least at least half a dozen red flags that show up in this, in this story, in his behavior. And I, what I hope each of us are going to do today with, with the help of the Holy Spirit is do what Paul told the Corinthian church to do, which is examine yourselves. See whether you are in the faith. This question for each of us to ask ourselves is this. Am I merely informed of the truth of Christ, or have I been transformed by the truth of Christ? You may remember the second scripture reading this morning from 2 Timothy 3, and today we're going to refer back to it at least a couple of times because it has has a very interesting description by Paul of a certain type of person. And from the historical record about Felix, he appears to fit that description Uh, Pretty well, especially the last few words of the passage. Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, and then even more profoundly, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. It's that last part that really gets me. So I'm going to repeat it. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now sadly, this... This description doesn't only fit people in the first century. And therefore, it'll be a consistent theme in our message today. Now, now that is a mouthful, you know, the, the whole always learning. So, so what I'm going to do is, uh, for the sake of easy reference, we're going to label this category as ALNATS, which is an acronym for always learning yet never arriving at truth, okay? So if you'll find verse 22, that's where we're going to jump in once we've prayed. So why don't you all bow with me and we'll start. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to preach your word to your people, God. I thank you for, uh, for everybody who's here this morning and for those who are unable to make it. Uh, thank you for those watching online. Um, 
Father, I ask that you will help all of us to be good soil so that your word will take root and bear fruit. Father, we know that you have given us this amazing ability by giving us, by planting seeds of the gospel in us. You've given us this wonderful ability to, uh, to have faith and be saved by grace. And Father, I ask that each person will examine themselves today. Help us to look and say, am I really who I claim to be? Do I really trust and obey Christ? Let us be on the same page today with that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for the next few minutes, church, we're going to see how today's passage shows us what are the traits of Alnats. In other words, what are some qualities or some characteristics of people that are always learning and yet never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth? So remember, we're jumping into the story right after Paul has spoken up in his own defense. Okay, Verse 22 reads, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias the Tribune comes down, I'll decide your case. And he gave orders to the centurion that he, that's Paul, should be kept in custody but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from seeing him and attending to his needs. Sorry, I added seeing him in there because I looked away. Now, if, if you would consider what the jails of this time were like, I think we can acknowledge that it was, it was a very kind thing, a very benevolent thing for Felix to let Paul's friends come and attend to his needs in prison. That's probably not a normal thing. So, so it's possible that Felix wasn't, you know, all bad, right? Now, depending on how much self-interest might have been involved, and we're going to get to that shortly, uh, at least he gave Paul a break in this regard. But, but see, lots of non-Christian people can show kindness, and even selflessness with, without knowing the Lord. There's no argument there. We all know people that don't know the Lord and that are still kind and gracious people. But no sinner, listen, no sinner can perform an act of kindness to redeem himself or herself from his sin. It cannot be done. Being good, putting that in quotes, being good is not enough to save anyone. You know, so, so thank God he made a way through the death of, of Jesus Christ and his resurrection you know, so that we can be saved by grace through faith and not our works. But, but I, I, don't, I don't want us to miss that Felix at least took okay care of Paul. I think that's, that's kind of a, a valuable thing for us to think about. But why did Felix put the trial on hold? That's the question. So we're going to back up, okay? Luke makes it clear. He says that Paul, excuse me, that Felix had a, a accurate or an accurate um, knowledge of the way. At least he says rather accurate. So what does that mean? I think it indicates a solid familiarity with the Christian faith, which most Alnats have because they're always learning, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the name because it's what they do. If they, if they sit in on a few sermons or Bible studies or, or if they have some discussions with Christians, they're going to learn some things. And it seems like Felix had probably done some of that. He was, he was conversant with Christianity. And maybe he learned of it while he was still a slave. You know, we, we don't know. We heard about it maybe while he was the governor of Judea. Or perhaps it had to do with his wife, Drusilla, being Jewish. And we'll get there shortly. But whatever the case, he was already familiar with the way. And that's not too uncommon 
in a place where Christianity had been preached and practiced very unashamedly. Now, I'm going to say this. In general, it is a blessing. It is a blessing to be familiar with the gospel message and the teachings of Jesus. Believing that Jesus is the Savior and he's God's Son who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, that is a wonderful blessing. And obeying his words is also a wonderful blessing, and it's a powerful testimony. But being familiar with the gospel and the teachings of Jesus without believing, without following him, can actually put a person in a worse position than they were before they heard the truth. You know, Jesus said that the servant who disobeys with full knowledge will be punished more severely than the one who disobeys unknowingly. In 1 Peter 2.20, that indicates that people who are attracted to the gospel but eventually reject it, they're in a worse position than they were before. That is a scary thought. So it's good. It's good to be familiar with what the Bible teaches. But if you ignore that teaching, you are putting yourself in jeopardy. That's what we see in Felix, who apparently, he knew Paul was innocent, right? He knew that, but he didn't want to make the decision yet because it wasn't expedient for him. And this fits right into his character as an Alnat, because by definition, they're always putting off making a full commitment to the truth. Jesus Christ. They want to straddle a fence. Some of y'all might remember the band Rush. They had a big song back in 1980 called Free Will. And there's some, you know, some questionable you know, lyrics in it, of course, but, but there's one line. It's both very simple and really true. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You familiar with that? That's what Felix was doing. He, he put off the decision for Paul's case until later, alleging right that he'd wait for the tribune to show up. But as we see in the following verses, that's not what was happening. You know, he was just making an excuse because Paul had, you know, his own thing going on, but, but Felix had other plans. You know, he, he wanted to keep him around for a reason, and we'll get to that reason shortly. But, but this, this putting things off is a frequent tactic of Alnats. You know, they're fairly certain that the, the claims that Jesus made about himself are true, but they also, see, they understand the ramifications of that. Because if Jesus really is the Son of God and he's one with the Father as he claimed, and if he really is the Messiah as the Bible prophesied, and if his death and resurrection really are to pay for our sins and make a way for us to be saved as he promised, well, then that means that he is to be trusted in and fully submitted to. Some people don't want to go that far. And if you're living your life as you please, and then all of a sudden you have to call someone else Lord, that, that's bound to put a cramp in your style. It, it, it's inconvenient. And so there will always be people. There will always be people who are consistently soaking up the truth without ever choosing to be fully committed. It's kind of like dating someone for a couple of decades without ever proposing it doesn't make any sense. It's not what Christ demands of those who follow him. So examine 
yourself, friend. Examine yourself. Have you believed on Christ, and have you begun to walk in obedience to him? Or are you still waiting for some nebulous, vague thing to happen? Let's read on. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who is Jewish. Uh, We're going to pause here for a moment because introducing Drusilla actually expands the story quite a bit. Okay, some of you guys have probably heard of of, uh, Flavius Josephus. Um, He was—he's a secular historian. He was—he was a Jewish guy that that kept track of all the stuff that was happening um, to his people for many, many years. And he tells us that Drusilla was the daughter of Herod Agrippa, the previous king in Judea, and she was the sister of Agrippa II, who Paul would stand before later. Okay? Now, Governor Felix met her when she was 16 years old and married to another man. Okay? But he allegedly used witchcraft of a palace magician. Anyway, somehow Felix convinced her to leave her husband and commit adultery with him. Now, on top of that, she was forsaking Judaism by marrying a Gentile, and believe it or not, that was probably at least as scandalous as the adultery was at that time. So Felix's marriage to Drusilla began on the wrong foot. And and his his character, his behavior here, fits the the description of that that first part of the sentence from 2 Timothy 3.6. It says, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, always learning and never arriving at a knowledge of the truth. This actually made me wonder if Felix was one of the guys Paul was thinking about when he wrote this. But anyway, Drusilla joined Felix, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So both of them, <coughs> excuse me, both of them are being exposed to the gospel, but Paul's Paul's purpose here is not simply to inform them, okay? They're also being exposed to the fact that the gospel requires a response. And as he reasoned about righteousness, which means right standing before God, and self-control, which which often requires self-denial, and the coming judgment, which will be terrible for anyone who rejects Christ, Felix was alarmed. And said, uh, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. See, he's putting off the decision yet again. In this short paragraph, there's at least three more traits that Alnats tend to show, starting with the fact that their religious involvement is often just looking to justify themselves. It's to find a moral basis for their preferred lifestyle. That's not in most of the biblical texts, so it probably wasn't in the original, but in in some of the the Western texts, there's an addendum to verse 24 indicating that talking to Paul in this instance was actually Drusilla's idea. Again, we we don't know if that's actually in the original manuscript, but it may in fact be based in historical fact, because it makes sense, you know, since since their relationship between Felix and Drusilla began in such an unhealthy way, it's possible that maybe... She wanted to see the Apostle Paul so that she could see if his new take on Judaism was going to fit her situation. You see what I'm saying? Like maybe she was hoping that that there'd be this version of of Judaism that didn't consider her marriage to a Gentile apostasy. Now on the one hand, in Christianity, I want to say this very openly for anybody, ethnicity doesn't matter at all. 
in a marriage, okay? Not a bit. It, I, I just want to say that. There, there's some, some folks, I think, have, have a weird idea that Christians are bigoted in some way about the, 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 the second marriage I performed was between two friends that were of different skin colors. It, it, it's perfectly, perfectly wonderful in God's sight, okay? You, I, I need to make sure that everybody understands that, okay? But in this time, okay, it was a big deal for a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person to be married. Now, like I said, in, in Christianity, it doesn't matter because there's no Jew and no Gentile in Christ, so their marriage wouldn't have been any problem because of that. However, there was still the pesky issue of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay, So if Paul could have just said, hey, there's nothing wrong with a Jew marrying a Gentile, and then stopped, Felix and Drusilla would have probably felt justified. You know, that's what they were waiting for. They wanted to know, hey, is this okay? But Paul didn't stop there, did he? No. Of course he didn't. He started talking to them about real justification. See, they wanted to feel justified. He wants them to know what real justified is. He's talking about that righteousness before God that comes only as a result of living faith in Jesus Christ. And then he begins to talk with them about sanctification, which is the purpose for which we practice self-control. It's that, that process of being made holy by God's Spirit, whereby our wills and our actions begin to conform to God's. And don't miss that the coming judgment that he's talking about, that contains the idea of glorification for those who have been justified and been, or are being, rather, sanctified. But also condemnation for those who have not been justified and are not being sanctified. So, so Paul apparently covered being justified, sanctified, and glorified in this dialogue. Now, those, those three things go together, which is apparently not what Felix and presumably Drusilla wanted. They, they were fairly typical Alnats. They, they wanted the appearance of Christianity and all the comforting promises, but they didn't sincerely want to obey God. Because doing so would mean making some drastic changes in their lives. They fit that old cliche of wanting to have your cake and eat it too. That's right. So here's the thing. The scripture is very, very clear about this. If Jesus is your Savior, he must also be your Lord. Let's say that again. If Jesus is your Savior, he must also be your Lord. There's far too many professing Christians who want those two things to be mutually exclusive, but they are not. If Jesus has saved you, then his spirit has begun working in you to change your desires and you will begin to experience him as both Savior and Lord. Of course, this is a gradual process. But if you got saved 15 years ago and your life hasn't changed, you didn't get saved. Another trait of a person who is always learning yet never arriving at truth is lack of obedience to the Lord, which is ultimately a rejection of God's authority. And this is unfortunately very common among professing Christians, very common. But if, if they're living, if you, if I, if we are living in unrepentant, habitual patterns of sin, the evidence points elsewhere. And an Alnat's response to God's word is often similar to what, what Felix did. They, they're alarmed that God would be so inflexible 
in his demands for morality. In fact, all Nats are, are often upset by doctrinally sound teaching. I'm going to take just a moment here. I'm going to talk about this with some, some, uh, some transparency. Uh, I worked under a, a minister in a large church within a mainline denomination who believed that nearly every major religion was worshiping the same God, despite the incredibly exclusive claims of Jesus Christ himself. There are also multiple denominations that are so fully compromised at this point, they have begun ordaining, practicing homosexuals, and officiating same-sex weddings. Some pastors refuse to touch certain topics, like the fact that gender is God-ordained, okay? Or, or the fact that, that abortion on demand is a scourge on our land. And it's because they're afraid of being offensive. Many try to rationalize these decisions by twisting Scripture or by ignoring it. Sometimes, sometimes there's, it's couched in, in a well-meaning desire to, to be inclusive. But, but this is just an attempt to sanctify behavior that cannot be reconciled with God's Word. It can't. We cannot make sin holy. No matter how many councils or, or, or church or conference says, and praise God that many people, even whole denominations, are leaving conferences and finding churches and places and people that are teaching the word. But the fact is, the, the exclusivity of the gospel is offensive to those who don't accept it. And the promise of judgment on unrepentant sinners is offensive to those that don't want to submit to God's will. And, and we don't vote on morality it's God's prerogative to say what is right and wrong. We don't get to pick that. So, for obvious reasons, it's probably pretty rare for Alnats to sit under strong biblical teaching, but there are those who still will because to them, it proves that they're not Alnats. So here's the question to ask yourself. Am I just sitting under biblical teaching or am I walking in it? I'm going to keep reading and be advised. The next part is sad, but it's also telling. And, and, and if we're not careful, we might think this only applies to other people. See, that's the danger of a sermon like this. Don't forget to examine yourself. Is there anything about Felix that is uncomfortably similar to my, to my own heart, to my own mind? Okay, verse 26 at the same time, he, Felix, hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Well, that's, that's pretty terrible. I mean, if there's any doubts about the character of Felix, Luke clears him up right here. He kept Paul in prison because he was hoping for a bribe. He wasn't having Paul come in and talk to him for the sake of him knowing God's will. He was trying to get Paul to buy his way out of jail. And that's one of the most depressing 
characteristics of an alnat. They're, they're not engaging in faith for the right reason at all. You know, despite being confronted on, on a regular basis with the word of God, they seek mammon, not holiness. Mammon is a Hebrew word. It can be loosely translated as stuff. But basically, it's material wealth. And sadly, some professing believers have no real love for the great giver. They're just in it for the gifts. A more more recent, very dangerous teaching that's cropped up in the mainstream church is the so-called prosperity gospel. It teaches that God's desire is always to bless his people with health and wealth and that suffering and poverty are alien to the Christian walk. Yeah, tell that to Paul or to any of the other disciples or to any Christian in a hostile nation today or to Jesus Christ. This lie leads people to to believe the opposite of what Jesus taught about those who truly follow him. Anyway, uh, love for the gifts rather than the giver is a mentality that Felix shows very clearly. He's only interested in his own happiness, not, not holiness. But as it's been said quite accurately, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make his people happy. He died to make us holy. We must not forget that, friends. Becoming more like Jesus ought to be our primary motivating factor in life. And we should be less concerned about accumulating stuff. If we're more concerned about mammon than we are about doing what's right, we've got a terrible problem, just like Governor Felix did. And that's not the only issue in this paragraph. Felix also demonstrates the almat tendency to prefer the world's favor to God's. I mean, all he had to do was admit that Paul's accusers were bogus and just let Paul go. But instead, he kept him in prison, albeit minimum security, but still prison for two years. Why? To see if he could score a windfall, right? But even when it was clear that that wasn't going to happen, and, and, and as he was leaving office, you know, even some of the most Oh, I shouldn't. Some of the presidents that we've had in the past have pardoned a lot of people as they were leaving. Felix wouldn't even do that. He left him in, in prison as a favor to the Jews so that he could maintain influence. So it wasn't just his lifestyle of sinful pleasure that Felix thought was more important than the gospel, nor was it simply that and mammon. It was also wanting people to think well of him. We call that fear of man rather than fearing God. Felix was always hedging his bets, and that instinct for self-preservation ended up having the opposite effect desired. What did Jesus say? He says, he who tries to save his life will what? Lose it. What else he said is, is whoever disowns me before man will be disowned before my Father in heaven. To remain on the fence is to choose to reject the truth. There are those who are always learning, yet never arriving in the truth, and they always believe that there's an excuse not to trust and obey God. There's always always some rationale 
behind the refusal to fully commit, but that rationale won't save them. I'd like to ask you guys, go ahead, open your Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. We're going to look there again. This is where we got our description of Alnats, 2 Timothy 3. Paul begins with a warning. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Why? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That is a horrifying description. And then just a couple verses down from that, it culminates with always learning and yet never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Do you understand that? Paul was not referring to some militant, fringe, atheist element in society. Paul was referring to people who seem to be favorable toward Christianity, may even be in regular attendance at church, but who aren't born again. Based on the evidence, much of what passes for Christianity in America fits that description. You know, sometimes for sure it's the fact that churches aren't teaching the truth. And so, you know, the people are accumulating for themselves, right? Speakers who scratch their itching ears. But, but it's, it's not just endemic in false or, or weak churches. Listen, Felix was consistently speaking one-on-one with possibly the greatest evangelist to ever live, and he still would not commit. Even Bible-believing, Christ-honoring churches can have Alnats who are fully informed but not transformed. And so the question that I have for you is, do they know who they are? Do they realize that they're not fully committed to Jesus? Do they recognize they're choosing selfishness or stuff or the the praise of people rather than choosing God? I hope someone somewhere hearing this message will examine themselves and either be comforted by the wonderful reality that they truly are in Christ by grace through faith, or else be confronted by the reality that they are not truly converted and thus seek the Lord. Friend, don't just be informed. You know, every last one of us who will be in heaven with Jesus will have been transformed into a new creation in Christ Jesus. Every single one. There will be no one in heaven who has not been transformed. And on that note, I want to end with a familiar passage. This is Romans 12, 2, also written by the Apostle Paul. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And he goes on to say that by testing 
you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the key, friends. If you don't know whether you're an owl gnat or not, my question to you is, are you being transformed? Have you truly been reborn as, as a Christian by faith in Jesus Christ? Have you observed an, an incremental and yet radical change in your desires and your behavior? I mean, if not, it's possible you've not yet received God's Holy Spirit and you are not a new creation in Christ Jesus yet. And listen, if that is the case, if you have not received God's Holy Spirit and if you are not a new creation in Christ, then you are not saved, friend. And you are still on the path to destruction. And I want to encourage you to cry out to God. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And scripture says that you will be saved. Repent and believe the gospel. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and into the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you may live in obedience to God. Because listen, Jesus is the only way to heaven.